Hey, I'm preaching this message tonight, uh, and the title is Heart Check. Can everyone say Heart Check? Heart Check. And, uh, you know, I just feel like, I feel like every now and then we just need to take stock of what's going on in our hearts. We just need to draw attention and shine a light to, to what's actually going on in our hearts. Because I think there's a danger when we just go through our life and just ignore um, what we're allowing um, into our hearts, what we're allowing ourselves to feel, and, and what's actually leading us. So I was speaking on this message tonight, and you know, I went down to Esperance with Harry um, and a few other friends a couple of years ago, and Ash uh, Carlwhite, and a few years ago, and we were just hanging out at this house, and they had a, a blood pressure machine. And, you know, it's the one that goes around your arm and, and contracts and begins to, um, you know, measure your blood pressure and your, and your heartbeat. And everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it one by one. And it's a lot of fun. And everyone's coming up with good results. And everyone's healthy. And I'm like, oh, this will be a bit of fun. Like, you know, put this thing on, strap it on and, and have a laugh and, and press the button. And my results came back that my blood pressure was high. And my heart rate was actually 88, which is way higher than it was. Like, I, I usually sit around 60 or 58. I used to be jogging back then and just stopped jogging. And, and so I was sitting around 80. I'm like, surely that can't be right. Like, maybe I was just talking when it happened and, you know, distracted or stressed or something like that. So I strapped it back on and I did it again. And as I did it, it came back with the exact same result. I'm like, wow, what the, what the heck has happened? Like some, somewhere in my routine, somewhere in my daily life, my diet has changed, my habits have changed. And without me even knowing it, my, my blood pressure, my heart was actually struggling. And I think it's the same with our lives, where the symptoms are so subtle that we've actually got a heart problem. The symptoms can be so subtle and you can go on like with your life and not even realize you're developing some really big calluses around your heart. And so the, the point of this message tonight is I just want to shine a light to it. And like Kelsey said, it's just an encouragement. Like, you know, you can sit here, just get yourself comfortable and, and uh, hopefully I can encourage you. So why don't we pray and, um, and let's get into it. Dear God, thank you that you have good plans for us, that you plan... Um, you know, to give us life, to give us hope, and, uh, and to, to fill our lives full of love and joy. And God, I pray that as I speak this message tonight, that that's the message that's received, that you are a good God and you have good plans for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I'm going to read this, this Bible verse, Proverbs 4.23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do, Everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You know, everything you do starts from a heart's desire. Like, you can trace it, trace it all the way back. It starts from a heart's desire. We need to be careful about what we allow to exist in our hearts. Because left to its own devices, um, you know, our heart can sort of develop these things that slowly over time grow and years down the track, maybe months down the track, weeks down the track, these things that started as a small little seed in our heart can actually flow out into the surface and actually flow out to, to define who we are, define our decisions, define um, how we live our lives, our personality. Another way of putting it is, is whatever you put in your heart will multiply. Like your, your heart is a fertile ground. Your heart is actually designed for growing things. God designed your heart to actually uh, grow things and it will be a place where things flow from. And so whatever you, you place in your heart 
will grow and multiply to the point where it starts to show up on the surface. And, and what starts as a small, like, unchecked thought, left, left unchecked, will grow into something so much bigger, will grow into a habit and a personality. You know, what started as a small offence um, can turn into a bitterness problem. And what started as, as wanting the latest iPhone can turn into like a, an envy and a desire for, for other people's things and, and drive you into debt. You know, what, what started as you saying, can you believe that person said that or can you believe they did this can actually turn into a gossip problem. What, what started as, oh, she looks so perfect or he looks so perfect, why can't I be like that, can actually turn into an insecurity issue and I think so often we come with these problems and we're like hey I've got an insecurity issue when really the true fact is that you've got a heart condition you've got something something's wrong with your heart and I'm not saying that you know these things aren't real but I'm saying let's look at the big picture let's look at the source because from our hearts flows everything is that good cool cool you can you can you can be noisy I like it I'm noisy thank you Russ um, yeah, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I think when we fill our hearts with good things, when we fill our hearts with, with God, in fact, that I believe that, you know, God will begin to multiply in our hearts. The things of God will begin to multiply in our hearts. You know, God is love. What does it mean when we place God in our hearts and, and give him that spot again and again? It means that love begins to multiply within us. When we come back to a place where we're like, God, I need you. God, I, I want you to come into my heart. Then we begin to see love develop and grow into our hearts. You know, if you, if you, if you want joy, I think, I, I think like so often people chase happiness and chase, you know, just wanting to be happy and wanting to be fulfilled. And they look for these things in, in money, in, in like the right girlfriend, the right boyfriend, um, power influence, hashtag Instagram influences, when you look for your happiness in these things, it actually comes up void because the giver of joy is God. And the only way to get true joy is when you bring yourself to God again and again and just say, God, come on, I want you. I want you to work in my heart. And as a result, joy will begin to flow. Peace will begin to flow. Hope will begin to flow. I don't know what your week's like, but just so often you can come to this place where you're like, Man, like, what's tomorrow look like? What, where is my hope for tomorrow? And we can misdiagnose that as well. We can make our own plans and try and fix our own issues and make our life exciting because we want our lives to be exciting when really it's about our heart. Uh, if we can just get our hearts right, the rest will fall into place. You know, we need God in our hearts. There, there just is no other way. Like, there's no other way of, of doing this or finding happiness. That's the way we were designed. If you feel a void in your heart, then that is for a very specific issue. It's because you were designed to be in relationship with God. And without that relationship with God, then that void is just going to be left there, unfilled by these other things. You know, there's, this, there's this guy called Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9, he's a prophet to Israel back in the Old Testament. And he says this crazy thing. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And the way I like to read it, I like to add words to it because I think, sure, but look at the context of it. I think the heart left unchecked is deceitful beyond cure. Like I think that your heart without God will always deceive you. You know, 
you let your heart lead you, you're going to end up in the same place again and again. Uh, your heart can't be trusted. And, and we can't live by the way we feel. That's like the, the, what we're trying to be sold, is this whole message of, you know, you can, you, can, you can feed that thing in you. You can feed that desire in you. And if you can just have this thing, when really, like, we can't actually trust our feelings. Our feelings aren't wise. Our feelings just satisfy us now. If we want to be satisfied with our lives, then we actually need to put our hope in uh, an almighty God. We can't just feed ourselves with that one little thing. Uh, we need to keep coming back to that place of saying, God, shape me. God, I want you to do something in me. Your heart is deceitful above all things. It's like I've got this niece and I've got this nephew and, and nieces and they come over and, and they play. And I don't know if you ever know kids, but you, know, you can have the best kids in the world, but they're always going to be like left to their own devices. They're always going to do something wrong. You, know? you can't just leave them. We have them come over and they're playing in the other room and all of a sudden it just goes a little bit quiet. <laughs> We're like, okay, we should probably go check on them. It's been too long, too long in there. There's something going on. You know, you can't leave your kids unchecked. It's the same with our hearts. We can't leave our hearts unchecked. We can't just expect that um, we can leave them there and they're going to do something good. Like, I can't leave my, my eight-year-old niece at home with a canvas, some paint and some brushes, go out for the day and expect to come home and have, a, a, have like a piece of Picasso art hanging on the wall. Like I can't just, when I, walk, when I walk back into that situation, there's going to be like paint on the floor. My niece is going to be a different colour. There's somehow going to be paint on the roof up there. Like, how do you even do that? That's, and then like, meanwhile, the canvas is just perfectly pure white and untouched. It's the same with our hearts. You know, following our feelings and following our heart's desires, we can't expect to do that and then come to this place of fulfilment in our lives. You know, two years down the track, following our heart's desires, following what we want, feeding that, you know, that, that void in, in your life with money and, and all these other things. We can't expect to come back to that in two years' time and have the happiest, most fulfilled life. The heart above all things will deceive you. Your heart will corrupt you left unchecked. You know, Jeremiah um, said that as a warning to the people of Israel. You see, uh, Israel were in this tricky situation where they kept on uh, stuffing up. They stepped on, kept on going away from God and, and choosing other things. And so Jeremiah, who, who lived in the time of uh, the book of Kings, um, was warning the uh, nation of Israel, saying, hey, you've you got to stop trusting your heart. You know, you know we can learn, we can learn from, from, from Saul who was, was leading out of fear, was living his life out of fear. We can learn from David, who, who was an uh, adulterer, who cheated. Um, we, can learn from, we can learn from King Solomon, who slept with a, with a thousand women, and, and, and they deceived him. You know, we can't keep feeding this machine. Our hearts are deceitful. We need to surrender our hearts to God. Well, what happened to Israel they didn't listen, and, and you read the story of kings, it's just the same thing, the same thing, a, a, a heart condition in every single king in Israel. And they go into this downward spiral where they reach this point where God's like, hey, you're going to keep you know, um, choosing like, other gods over me, other things over me, then I can't, like, I can't do anything with that. I'm, I'm, 
I can't help you. And so Babylon came and they took over Israel. Jeremiah was taken captive in Egypt. And it was like this low point. And so Jeremiah writes this, this message. God actually speaks to Jeremiah while he's in Egypt, writing this prophecy into, into the future and into, over the nation of Israel. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. I will not make, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took their hand and, and led them from Egypt. Because they broke that covenant, though I was a husband to them. It means, though I treated them well, though I was faithful to them. This covenant I will make with the people of Israel, uh, after that name declares the Lord. I will put the law in their mind. Get this, I'll put the law in their mind and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be their people. You see, when God freed the nation of Israel out of Egypt, they were in captivity, but... They were like drunk on their freedom. And so God, out of love for them, because they kept on stuffing up, they kept on going too far, created this law. You know, these days, we refer to, to some of that law as the, uh, as, the, as the Ten Commandments. And they were there out of love to protect us, to keep us, or to keep them, the nation of Israel, from, from going too far out of the will of God, from, from filling the desires of their hearts. And it was in that place, left to their own devices, where they began to get like selfish and anxious and, and fearful. Instead of being led by God, they were led by their feelings and emotions. And finally God said, hey, this isn't working anymore. This is not working anymore. We can't continue to, to treat the outside while the inside is broken. We, can, we can't continue to put these boundaries in place when there's, when there's like obviously a bigger problem with the human condition. It's our heart. And so 600 years later, after, after Jeremiah wrote that prophecy, 600 years later, there was this guy called Jesus. And Jesus was the son of God the Father. God sent him down and Jesus had a very specific job. Jesus came and died for all of your deficiencies, for all of your inadequacies, for all of your wrongful, corrupt desires in your heart. And he said, hey, I will take every little mistake you made, every little stuff up you made, and instead, all you have to do is let me into your heart. And what was external, what was an external law of love, became an internal hope for your future. He took what was a boundary and he took it into your hearts and said, hey, let's start with the heart and let it flow from there. Let it flow out of there. Because what starts in our hearts will flow into the rest of our lives. Now, instead of measuring up with our actions, we can just invite Jesus into our hearts and, and be led to righteousness, to be led, by, led to right standing with God through Jesus. That's, that's what it's about. And so Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the word gospel in um, Greek is actually, it actually translates to good news. It, it translates to good news. And, and news back then wasn't like Megan and Harry stepping out of the royal family <laughs> or, or Trump, etc. Um, news back then was actually like something by which everything is different. Something by which everything changes. And when we talk about the, the good news, the word gospel that describes 
the story of Jesus. The scribes are books that make up the story of Jesus. It's saying this is something by which everything changes. In other words, this, this changes everything. This changes the way we live our lives. This changes the way we order our lives. Our priorities change because of this. You know, where you used to have to be pure by your own doing, you become pure in Christ. Where you, you used to have to be worthy by your own doing, you're made worthy in Christ. Where you, you know, you used to have to lead worship like Chris, you're, you're made worthy in Christ, you know. We don't have to look at these people or, or, or measure up or go through priests. We're actually made worthy, we're made whole in Christ. And through this, this journey of transformation, this renewal of our minds and of our hearts, what starts in our hearts begins to flow out into our lives. You know, the Bible calls Jesus, calls God the giver of life. Why? Because when you let Christ into your heart, all that brokenness, all that deadness falls off and we get this new outlook on life. It changes everything. For real though, this, this changes everything. Like, don't be surprised if this changes everything. You know? When we let Christ into our lives, don't be surprised when things begin to change. When God starts pointing on things in our hearts and saying, hey, you need to shift that. You need to shift that priority. That spot that's taken up by that thing, that needs to be gone to make room for me. You know, that, that, that spot that's being taken up by your career just needs to be shifted. Shift those priorities. Put, put me back where I need to be. Come on, God wants to give you life. He wants to give you a hope for the future. We just need to open up our hearts and say, God, come in. I'm, I'm done with doing this by myself, but I... I want you to come and transform me. How are we going? We good? Awesome. Yeah, we don't need to to do this on our own anymore. Don't don't be surprised if when you invite Christ into your into your life, He starts working on your heart. You know, heart surgery is like a big deal. It's it's a big process. It's it's extremely painful. That's why they put you under. And it's the same with our, with our relationship with God. Sometimes the things that are good for us don't feel nice at the time, you know? Sometimes they're challenging. But it's like, you know, a fire, how it purifies the forest, how it makes room for new growth in the same way that our relationship with God and allowing God into our hearts makes way for something newer, something better, something greener to grow from it. You know, just because something isn't bearing fruit right in this season, it doesn't mean spring won't come around, you know? Just because it, it doesn't answer that prayer of, hey, like, wh- have, why, have you, like why have you taken this thing from me? I thought you were meant to give, like, abundance and, and all, all of this goodness to me. Just because it looks like that, it doesn't mean the fruit isn't coming. You know, he'll begin to change the desires of your heart as well. When you let Christ into your life, it actually begins to, to change the goalposts. What you think it was a loss or a trial or the, or the work of the enemy can actually be God shaping something. And sometimes it is. Sometimes the enemy does take something. But as we sung before, you know, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. God is all-powerful. He's got control of the situation. And when you continue to allow him into your hearts, you will never actually lose. You know, it might look like you're losing, but, you know, me and Ash use this language all the time. Check the scoreboard. 
like take a step back from that situation into the drum kit and, and check the scoreboard to see who's actually winning the bigger picture. Come on, just because it ain't bearing fruit in this season, it doesn't mean that the season won't come around. You know, instead of being motivated by money, instead of being motivated by, by, by trying, to, tr- trying to make my own way, you'll begin to be motivated by love, by surrender, by giving up things. Isn't that a scary thought? It's a scary thought because it changes everything. It's, it's completely different to the way we're taught to live in this world. It changes everything. When instead of living led by our emotions or like led by Instagram likes, you, you begin to be a leader to the broken. And what that actually means for you is that, you know, if you are going to be a leader to the broken, if you actually want to help people, then you need to work on some things in your own hearts. You need to give up some things in your own hearts so that you become a vessel for God to help other people. Um, slowly but surely, what you consider to be success will change. Uh, there's this verse, Matthew 5, 3, and it's Jesus speaking to us. And, you know, Jesus was that, that law that, was, that started externally and became internal. It started as something we had to fulfill, and, and Jesus made it internal. And, you know, because that changes everything, Jesus said the goalposts change as well. He said, you're blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is... That's not my notes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will... Where am I? For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of things of evil against you because because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that you that they persecuted the prophets, in, sorry, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets that were before you. See, this changes everything. All of a sudden, that situation. That financial situation, that job situation, actually becomes a blessing that God's using to actually expand something in you, to, to use you as a vessel. Everything changes when we allow God to use the situation and actually give him that, our hearts. I don't know what your week's been, been like, but so easily we can have a rough week and be like, God, where are you? Like, maybe I need to just worship harder this week. You know, maybe I need to sing, I'll see a victory like a couple more times, and I'll actually see a victory. When God's saying, hey, that's not the victory. The victory is when you come to that place of surrender to me again, even though that's going on. That actually grows something bigger in your heart. That's actually a lot harder. But because it's harder and because it's challenging, it's actually growing you. You, you go to the gym, you're going to have to work hard. You, know, you want to grow in your relationship with God, how much harder are you going to have to work? It, it doesn't mean that it's, that it's a bad journey. It just means that everything changes. Your goals change. It's actually a, a journey full of joy, full of hope, full of, full of like, great things. But it just means what is counted as success changes. Hey, can we get the band back up? And uh, hey, why don't we stand as well as we, as we finish this service?
So good. Hey, I want to encourage you that God can take that position in your heart again. You know, even if you've been a Christian and, and, you know, if you're honest, there's other priorities in your life that have taken a bigger spot. You know, I think a better way of saying it or another way of saying it is just who is number one in, in your life? You know, heart check, who is number one in your life? What's your number one priority? Uh, because God was never meant to be an add-on to your life. You know, you got your car and you add things on and it makes it faster. No, God's a new car. Like, He isn't just adding things on. God's a whole new, another thing. And so when we step into a relationship with God, the position God wants to take is number one. If you want to see God move, then you've got to put Him in that position in your heart. Now, we're blessed when we allow God to shape our hearts. God's looking at the bigger picture of your life. It's actually what faith is. Faith is actually just saying, hey, I don't know what 10 years, I don't know my five-year plan anymore. I don't know what this future looks like. I don't know how you're going to fulfill that promise. But I'm just going to make sure that my heart is continually surrendered to you. That's all I'm called to do is to make my heart continually surrendered to you. You'll figure out the rest, God. You'll figure out, I believe that you've got this. You know, if you did everything that you, that's in the Bible, just imagine what, what He can do in your life if you just come back to that place of saying, God, you're number one. You know, we can learn from the lessons of the Israelite people. We can learn from their misguided heart's desires and we can actually come into this place where we're like, that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm going to choose God. Heart check, you know, how's, how's God working in your heart? How's your heart? Because if it's not God, there won't be fruit. You know, the tree will still survive, to use that analogy. The tree, the tree can still survive, but you're just not going to get the fruit. You know, God's given you the choice. You've got the choice whether you want to bear fruit or not. And God's inviting you back into this place of saying, hey, there's no condemnation. There's no, I'm not going to make you pay for, for those things. I've already paid for them. That's covered. The bill is done. I'm just inviting you to come back and put me as number one. Um, with every eye closed, I just want to uh, allow people the opportunity to come back into that place again. And it's such a heart thing. It's, it's something that is a shift in your heart. But what I'm going to get you to do tonight is actually move physically to the front. If that's you, I just want you to start making your way up there now. If, if, if you're that sort of person, it's like, I'm done. I'm done trying my own way. I was there this week. I was, I'm done trying my own way. I want God to actually come into my heart. And, and you know, if that's you, I just want to give you the invitation. Um, if it's not, that's great. But if that's you, come to the front. Let's, let's lean in. Let's worship. Let's just say, God, take this position again in my heart. Come on, let's do that now if that's you. If it's not, that's great. But let's, let's press in. There's no more waiting. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. So good. So good. Thank you, God. Come on, let's press in. Hey, I'm going to pray and, and you can still make it to the front. We're just going to worship after this. But if that's you, yeah, don't hesitate. You know, there's no, there's no cost to this. It's like a free gift 
Um, and I'm just going to pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the way you just love us, for the way you just give us chances again and again and again. And, and I, I pray for everyone in this room, whether, you know, at the front or, or having their own moment with you in their seats, God, that you'll begin to refresh their hearts, fill their hearts again, God. Would you just, yeah, make room in their hearts for you. God, would this be the start of like a, a new fresh season for them, God? A new like intimate relationship between you and them, God? Lord, thank you for everything you're doing in this church and thank you for the fruit we're already seeing. But God, I just pray, would you make the roots grow deeper in this church and that what that looks like is our hearts just being fully devoted, fully surrendered to you, God. And I pray that that happens in our church. There's, there's no other way of doing it. It's just you. And so God, I pray that now, Holy Spirit, would you just fall on people. Fall on people, God. Set people on fire. God, will we never be the same? Will we change the world because of you, God? Will we be just set on fire and so passionate and excited about what you're doing, God? Because everything changes for us and that means everything changes for the world. And so, God, I pray that may we never be the same. May we never go back to the world and be like, hey, I want that success again. Oh, I pray that we will just be like turned off by that stuff and just be purely focused and set on you, God. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. Let's begin to worship right now. Let's begin to press in. Why don't you just lift your hands all across this place as we sing this song?